0: Hello, I am Matthew Hurst, the worship minister of First Baptist Church, Watauga, and we want to simply say thank you for listening to these messages. We'd like to invite you on Sunday morning at 1045 to join us in worship of God and to hear from His Word. Our mission here at FBC Wataga is to exalt the Savior equip the saints and to evangelize the lost one person at a time. So I pray as you listen to these messages that you would be encouraged and equipped as you listen to the word of the Lord today. if you weren't here last week, I want to give you a little bit of an introduction because we're we're in John chapter 9. We're working through the gospel of John and we're in John chapter 9. Last week we looked at the first 12 verses and it tells the story of this man who was blind from birth. And the disciples and Jesus were walking into the city and they see this man who was born blind sitting there. And the scripture says Jesus saw the man born blind. And I think that that's important. And I mentioned that last week. It doesn't say the disciples saw him. It says Jesus saw him. And when Jesus saw the man, somehow that also drew the disciples' attention. And so they asked the question, why was he born blind? Was it because of his sin or his parents' sin? And we won't get into all of that. You can go back and listen to last week's sermon. But one thing that I think is important for us to see there is Jesus said it wasn't because of his sin or his parents' sin. It was that God might receive, receive glory through him. So that the works of God might be displayed through that man's life. God desires to show himself, to display himself through every single one of our lives. And that's why your story matters, just like Susan's story matters. He has something that God wants to show one of the spectrums, one of the, the, the beautiful pieces of light of his glory, like the rainbow is a full spectrum of colors. God wants to display himself through you, just like he did through Susan and just like he did through this man who was born blind. We're going to finish out the story today. Susan read a good bit of it uh, for you a, little, uh, a few minutes ago. I want to reread it just because this story is awesome. It's just such a great story. We, last week, you know, the, the, the Pharisees, the Jewish leadership, dragged the man in and they asked him, you know, how did this happen? How did you get your sight Well, they didn't believe him. And so they drag him back in again and start in verse 13 is today's reading. The scripture says, they brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. The day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. And the Pharisees asked him again how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed and I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others are saying, How can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was a division among them. Again they asked the blind man, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, he said. The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and received sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight. And they asked him, Is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How then does he see now? We know this is our son that he was born blind his parents answered but we don't know how he sees we don't know who opened his eyes ask him he's of age he'll speak for himself his parents said these things because they were afraid of the jews since the jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him as a messiah he'd be banned from the synagogue this is why his parents said he's of age ask him so a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and told him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. The man answered, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Then he, they asked him, what did he do to you? Did he, how did he open your eyes? And I already told you, he said. And you didn't listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become one of his disciples too, do you? Well, then they ridiculed him. You're the man's disciple. We're Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. This is an amazing thing, the man told him. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. You were born entirely in sin, they replied, and you're trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, and when he found him, he asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sinned, but Now that you say, we see, your sin remains. What an incredible story. And, you know, the focus of this passage has been over the last week and this week is it's just a simple confession of this man's faith. Time and again, he gets drugged before the the leadership, drugged before the Pharisees, and he's asked this question, what happened to you? And all he can say is, you know, I don't fully understand the theology behind, you know, your theology of sin. I don't fully understand the Sabbath, but there's something I do know. I was blind, Jesus touched me, and now I can see. That's all that mattered to this man at that point. And that's really what matters. That's the story that needs to be told. We don't have to be scholars. In fact, it's the religious scholars who were the most blind in all of this. It was those who were caught up in their religion that missed true faith that this man had. I want to break this down, and and I've added a a point since the first sermon. So y'all that are online, you'll have to stick with me because all the notes aren't up there now. The first one is this. Uh, Well, the title, I titled the sermon this, A Changed Man is Uncontainable. See, they had an issue at hand. (laughs) They had somebody now that really made a mess in their religion in their synagogue in their their understanding of truth this man's experience did not add up first of all jesus was a threat to to the religious leadership he was a threat that was creating all kinds of havoc for them. But he also, this, this blind man, the fact that he had been transformed was shining the light on Jesus and it was bringing glory to God and it was causing, like I said, all kinds of issues and turmoil for him. So this, this, this changed man because God had done such a work in his life, he couldn't be explained away. And so they were trying to contain the damage. Uh, they were trying to... Uh, uh, spin the truth a little bit so that they could uh, maybe put light somewhere else. If they could convince everybody that somehow he was a sinner or Jesus was a sinner, then they could, they could try to, to uh, cover things up. But the first point that I want you to see here is there was a change that took place in this man that could not be covered up. There was a radical transformation in his life. He was blind, and now he could see. And everybody knew it. Everybody in town knew this boy. Everybody in town knew that he was the blind man who had been like that since the day he was born, and they could not cover it up. So, as he continued to tell his story, his story always began the same way I used to be blind. I used to be blind. Look, you, you, when we start out in verse 13 here, the, the scripture starts out by saying, they brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. That's how he, we don't even know his name. You know who, who, who he is? He's the one who used to be blind. He's not the blind man anymore. He used to be the blind man. And, and, and that becomes his identity in this story. He's the one who used to be blind. That's who he was, and because Jesus touched his life, that change can't be covered up. And my, I, my, I wonder, in your life, when you look at your story, when you tell your story, can you say, I used to be before Jesus changed me? Who did you used to be before Jesus changed you. I had a a friend on Facebook this week when I I put something out about these testimonies, a a simple testimony. He said, well, well, I, I came to faith in Christ when I was six years old, so I guess I really don't have a story. And I said, yes, you do. First of all, even if you came to faith in Christ when you were six years old, you had to have known that you needed Christ. And Subsequently, in the years that follow, and this guy's in his 40s, close, getting close to 50 years old, I believe. In the years following that, you've become even more aware of your sinful heart and, and left to your own devices. If it were not for Christ, this is, this is where I'd be headed. This is who I used to be. Now, I'm very aware that I put my faith in Christ when I was 12 years old, but I know the reason my mom started taking me to church, because she saw where I was headed. And you don't have to, uh, of course, my my dad has passed away. My mom doesn't remember uh, much anymore. She has dementia. But go ask my oldest brother or my sister what I was like as a 8, 9, 10, 11, or 12-year-old before I came to faith in Christ. I used to be, well, I'm not going to use the words that they use. I can't use that publicly. Uh, I used to be a mess, okay? Uh, and, and I was headed down, a, you know, kind of a, a difficult place Uh, I was arrogant, especially arrogant as a a kid, and uh, they'd have a lot of things to tell you, but I, I know that I used to be headed that direction, but Christ. So the question is, who did you used to be? Who were you, where were you headed before Christ made a difference in your life? And what changed your life? What what is there that changed that can't be covered up? Now, here's another great question for us as believers. Is there something in your life that stands out that is so striking that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that if you were drugged into a courtroom and put on trial, that you'd be convicted of being a Christian? Is your life so different? Is Christ so evident in your life in your day-to-day life, that if you were brought into court and, and you were put on trial that you could be convicted or would you be acquitted? What changed in your life that indicates that you met Christ? The second problem they had, besides this man's that a change that took place in this man's life that couldn't be covered up, they had a challenge that they could not control. And, and, and they were trying to, as I said, spin that uh, story in a way that would benefit them. Because if they let it just ride, if they let the story continue to get out that this Jesus, who has walked among us, who's been healing people, now he's healed this blind guy. If they just let that story go on its own merits, too many people were going to believe in Christ. And so they were trying to, to control the story, like, like we see happen in the news a lot today. you got to spin it. you got to kind of control the story. The problem is, the truth couldn't be controlled. <laughs> The the, the bottom line truth was he was blind, Jesus touched him, and now he can see, and there's nothing they could do about that. They could call Jesus a sinner, they could say that the man was was somehow a sinner from birth, like they accused him of. You know, they say, well, well, what are you doing trying to teach us? You were born in sin. Well, first of all, they didn't really even understand the nature of sin. The, The religious people had a misunderstanding of the nature of sin. That's what Jesus said up in verse 2. They had a misunderstanding. As the, he wasn't born this way because of sin at all. They had a misunderstanding of suffering and how God uses suffering in our lives. And they had a misunderstanding of the Sabbath. So they had all that messed up. The religious people didn't understand God's view of sin, suffering and the Sabbath. And so uh, they they were blinded in their own right. The bottom line truth was Jesus was Lord. Jesus touched this man. He was blind and he can see. And they could not control that truth. You know what? Truth eventually has a way of winning out. Truth eventually has a way of winning out. Back in December, I think it was December the 16th of this last year, Tulsi Gabbard, who is a a representative from Hawaii, uh, worked with someone across the aisle. She's a Democratic representative. She worked across the aisle with a Republican representative to issue or, or bring a bill that's going to be brought before Congress this spring, and it's called the, the Women's Women in Sports Protection Act. And what it boils down to is for 40 years, almost 50 years now, there has been a, a, a movement in a very positive way in our culture to elevate our, our daughters and our granddaughters, and and to raise these young ladies up, so they have some of the opportunities, same opportunities that men do in sports. Back before 1974, only one in every 27 young girls would say they even cared about sports. That number has been raised to 40 percent, two in five, because of something that was called Title IX back in 1974. And it elevated opportunities for young ladies to be involved in sports. And one of the most important things it did, it said, look, if a university is going to receive federal funding they need to offer scholarships for women's sports just like they do men's sports to bring at least a level of equality among that that, that both genders. I, I'm absolutely all supportive of that as a dad of four daughters. I want to see my daughters have all, all of the opportunities that young men would have. I know that, that the friends do too. We saw Kate had her first game uh, this weekend, I guess in in college. Awesome God but because of that movement, uh, our young Ladies in our culture have been elevated in sports, and and it's great for all kinds of reasons. And yet, some of the same people who would have been on the leading edge of that movement are some of the same ones who are saying now, well, we have to let men who think they're women compete in sports with women. And it's undermining Title IX. And it's destroying, in some of our states, women's athletics. Up in New England, first, second, and third place in the 100-meter dash in the state competition in Connecticut was won by young men who decided after they got into high school and wanted to compete with women that they were going to identify as women. The the problem is there's truth, and and then there's alternate reality. And eventually, truth is going to come out. And, and now all of that progressive movement is, is being backed into a corner because they're saying, well, wait a minute, this is hurting women's sports? Yes, it is, because it's not the truth. God created them male and female, right? Truth is always going to come to the forefront. And right now, even among those who would try to push back against it, the truth is creating issues for them. That's what happened here. Truth is what was creating an issue for these Pharisees. So they're going to try to con- cover up the truth. They're going to try to control the truth. So they drag the, the young man's parents in there. Maybe he's got a twin brother somewhere, right? Maybe there's somebody out there that just looks like him. And, and, and if we can get the parents to say, maybe scare them a little bit, get them to say that, well, that's not really, uh, our, our son wasn't really born blind, or that's really not the one that was born blind. There's another one. If they could in any way redirect the truth, they could contain the damage. The problem is, truth is truth. You can can say, I don't believe in gravity, climb up on top of the building, jump headlong off of our building, and whether you say you believe in gravity or not, the truth is going to win out that argument, right? God's truth is true. True. And here, the truth was, he was born blind and now he can see. And no effort to control that or redirect that matters. Their religious rules didn't matter. They couldn't contain the testimony of the man who once was blind, who was touched by Jesus, now could see. Because truth is truth. Jesus stepped into the scene And he said, I am the truth, and I come to declare truth. I'm not going to tell you a lie. If I were to tell you something else, I'd be the liar, but I'm going to speak the truth. So they had a challenge that they couldn't contain, and that challenge was the truth. Then there was a confession that you see here that could not be quenched. And this is one of my favorite parts of the story, besides just the comedy of it. I love the fact that when he gets brought before the Pharisees, and they keep questioning him, it's the third time they've asked him the same question. How did he heal you? Or who? You know, What did he do? In there? And he just finally says, look, are y'all wanting to become his disciples too? Is that why you're asking me all these questions? And of course, that gets them all upset. But I love how he interacts with them. He's gaining confidence, but there's a reason that he's gaining confidence. I want you to understand this. He's gaining confidence as he gains in his understanding of Jesus. The more that he understands about Jesus, and the more that he realizes who Jesus is, the more he gains confidence in his testimony, even before those who could kick him out of the synagogue. And in that day, it could have an incredible impact in all aspects of his life. The ability for him to make a living after that is going to be controlled by these religious leaders in the town. There's all kinds of controls, all kinds of ways they could harm him. But every time he makes a confession, we're going to see he grows in that confession. And as he grows in his understanding and confession of Christ, the more confidence he has. The first time that he was asked, all the way back in verse 11, they asked him, how are your eyes open? Do you remember his answer? If you were here last week, he said, the man called Jesus did such and such. How were your eyes opened, the man, this, this man came along. I was blind. I sit sitting by the, this man called Jesus came and he touched me. And then they bring him back in and ask him again. Down in verse 17, again they ask the blind man, what do you say about him who opened your eyes? And look what he says. He says, he must be a prophet. He's starting to think, wait a minute, this guy's not just a man. He's somebody special. He's got to be somehow connected to God. He must be a prophet. And so he goes from thinking, Jesus, just saying Jesus is a man, to confessing that Jesus is a prophet. But it doesn't stop there. And of course, part of this is brought on by their the Pharisees own desire to squelch the truth. The truth just keeps growing. Because what happens, they, of course, bring his his parents in there, and and then they bring him back in. And in verse 17, they ask the blind man again. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll scoot down. After they bring his parents in here, then they bring him back in. And we're all the way down in verse uh, 33 then. And let me read his whole statement because they ask him again. And he says, it's an amazing thing. You don't know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one's ever even heard of anyone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. Do you hear the, the movement in his faith? He was a man. Oh, he's probably a prophet he's from God. If this man weren't from God, he couldn't do any of this stuff. And so now the guy, as as he's thinking about it, and I think one of the key roles here is he's talking about it. He's talking it out. You know, sometimes we learn and we grow by talking it out. So as he's telling his testimony again to the Pharisees, he goes, wait a minute. No one's ever even heard of somebody that was born blind getting their sight back. This man must be from God. And so he, he takes that next step. Well, as soon as he says that, the Pharisees are done with him. They throw him out of the synagogue. They say, you were born entirely in sin, and you're trying to teach us. So they cast him out of the synagogue. And I love the next phrase. Because when Jesus heard in verse 35 that they'd thrown the man out, he went and found him. Just like in verse 1 and 2. Jesus is walking through the gates, and he sees a man who's in need. He sees a man who's hurting, who's broken, who's blind from birth, begging for his very existence. And Jesus touched him. Well, now they've walked through this whole progression. The man has shared his testimony at least three times before the Pharisees. He he walked through this whole, whole time, and he gets thrown out of the synagogue. And so Jesus comes and finds him. Jesus looks him up. Back at the beginning of the story, after he healed the man, they didn't even know where Jesus was. Jesus came and found him. Isn't, isn't that so, so true about our Jesus? When we need him most, he comes seeking us. He comes and finds us. And listen to the man's confession. Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now we're we're talking about the Messiah. The man understood that. Do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus answered, you have seen him? And in fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man confesses, I believe, Lord. Now, sometimes that Greek word that's translated Lord here with a capital L means sir. But in this context, I don't think there's any question about what it means because of what John writes in the very next phrase and he worshiped him. I believe, Lord. This man went from being blind to coming in contact with Jesus who he saw he knew was a man. And then he began to think, man goes, wait a minute, he must be a prophet. And and the further it goes along now, he he begins to understand, wait a minute. He's from God. This Jesus is from God. And then eventually when Jesus comes and touches him and contacts him again, and he says, do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, who is he? And Jesus says, you're looking at him. And Jesus says, I believe, Lord. And just as Susan did at the end of her testimony, he confesses Jesus as his Lord. And he falls down on the ground and worships him. I think that 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 progression of his faith is important because, you know, there are some people that the first time they ever hear the good news of Jesus Christ, the first time that they're told the story that that we are sinners, that that if we don't confess Christ, we're going to die in our sins and be separated from him, but, but Christ died so that you can have eternal life. Sometimes when we hear the story for the first time, we'll confess him as our Lord. But for most of us, it's not like that. Most of us have to have multiple encounters before we'll truly get to that point where we're ready to confess Jesus as Lord. And I don't know where you may be in that spectrum as you come to that place in your faith. You may have heard about Jesus the man. I I love part of Susan's testimony when Pam asked her, do you know Jesus? Well, of course I know Jesus. Now Susan, her family was, they were raised Catholic, and they were, they were cultural Catholic. Now she went through confirmation and all of those things as, as a young teenager, but they, they didn't have a Bible in their house that they read. They had one of those big Bibles. Y'all have seen them, big old family Bibles on the coffee table, and nobody opened that Bible, right? That's all they had. And so, so she, she knew about Jesus. He was on that book on the coffee table. If you open it up, there's some really scary pictures of him, and there was blood flowing off of him, right? My family had one of those. So she knew about Jesus. But she didn't know Jesus. And so there was a progression in her faith from coming to know that Jesus was a man who lived a long time ago and he was a good person, maybe, and he died on a cross, till she came to a place where she understood that, that she was separated from Christ and that God loved her and that Jesus died for her and that Jesus wanted to change her. One of the phrases we hear a lot. Uh, we, we heard in her testimony, you hear sometimes, is ask Jesus into your heart. There's some evangelists now that are really scared of that phrase, and, and for, for the right reason. Because it mean, t- t- to come to faith in Christ means more than asking Jesus into your heart. It means submitting to him and confessing him as Lord. That's why I love when Sh- Susan shares that testimony. She said, I knew that I needed to ask Jesus into my heart and let him be Lord of my life. Because that's, that's, what the, that's what matters. There's, there's a difference between knowing who Jesus is, reflecting on him as a historical figure, knowing that he was a man or a prophet or a good teacher, and coming to the understanding that he is Lord. And once we come to that place where we confess that he is, or we know he is Lord, and you really only have two options. You deny him, or you submit to him and his lordship. Bottom line, this man at this point, when he recognized that Jesus was Lord, he said, I believe, Lord, and he bowed down and he worshiped. I don't know where you are in that story. Some of us get caught up in our religion so much that we miss Jesus. And this is the fourth point that I want to add. It's not on your notes, it's not going to be up on the screen, but it's this one. Jesus also came to condemn the conceited. Those last few verses are a little bit disconcerting because Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment. And what he means by judgment, because in another place, you'll read him in another context, say, I didn't come to judge the world, John chapter 3, but that the, the, the world by its own sin might be judged. It's a different context. What he means here is this judgment draw, draws a line. And, and, and Where the line is, there's people on one side who don't think that they need judgment. God because they have their religion. They think they already see. They think they've got it all figured out. And on the other side, there's people who are blind and they know they're blind. And Jesus says, I came into the world to make that line clear. Because if you think you already have it all figured out, you're going to die in your sin. If you recognize that you don't see, that you need something... If you think that your religion can save you, you're gonna die in your sin. If you recognize that you need something, that you're blind and that you need what I bring, what I have to offer, if you will confess that sin, if you recognize that you're a sinner, you will be saved. So those who are religious and think that they see are really blind and are gonna die in their sin. Those who are blind and, and don't think that they have any hope When they recognize Jesus as Lord, they're going to receive their sight and they're going to be born again. They're going to be saved. So Jesus came to condemn those who were so conceited that they thought they already had it all figured out. That's why back in Proverbs, Scripture says there's seven things God hates and the top of that list is pride. Because when we think we have everything figured out, we don't think we need God. It's not until we... Get rid of our pride that we humble ourselves before him and recognize that we need him. Where are you in that progression of faith? You've heard the stories. Do you, believe, do you know that Jesus is a man? Do you believe he's a prophet? Do you believe he's a good teacher from the past? Or do you recognize that he is the Lord? The one and only one deserving of worship, the one who died on the cross, rose again, that you might have everlasting life. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, I challenge you to do the same thing that this guy did and confess his lordship. It's only as we confess him as our Lord and we tell the world that he is Lord, that we are saved. If you don't have that story to tell, if you can't share with me what I was like before I met Christ how i might Christ, and how he's changed me. I plead with you, reach out to some, somebody that you know that's a Christian, reach out to me as your pastor, reach out to Kevin, and find out what it means to be saved. Find out what it means to confess Christ as Lord that you might truly be changed. Because as Jesus said, if, you're, if you don't recognize that I am God, Back in chapter 8, we dealt with this extensively. If you don't recognize that I am God, you will die in your sins. You'll be eternally separated from God. One other challenge I want to give you, and I, I issued this next week, and I'm, I'm going to be a little bit kinder about it in the days to come. But if you're a member of First Baptist Church Watauga, and Jesus has changed your life, you, you are a believer, I have an expectation that you're going to tell your story. I have an expectation that every single member at some point is going to get in touch with me or Kevin or Matthew, and you're going to come have your story recorded so that you can share that story with your lost friends. Now, we've had a bunch sign up the last week, and not everybody has to do it this week because Kevin doesn't have time to record them all this week, and Matthew doesn't have time to edit them all this week. But we, at first, we had a whole lot of women that were coming to forward to tell their story, So I put some pressure on some of the guys. Right now, we've got a whole lot of people my age and older that are telling their story. There's some from, I would call it my Sunday school class and I'm not able to teach right now. I'm looking at you over here. We need to hear your stories as well. I'm looking, uh, I'll see you. I'll see y'all. If you have a story to tell, if, you, if you've been transformed by Christ, people need to hear your story. And when you're faithful to tell that story, there's one other thing that you're going to see. As you're faithful to share that over and over and over, or maybe you record it and you even listen to it over and over, like I've heard Susan's many times this week, as you you tell your story, you're going to grow in your faith too. And you're going to gain confidence in who you are in Christ. So first and foremost, if you don't know for sure that you have that story to tell, please reach out. One of the ways, if you're online, you can reach out through fbcwithtaga.org respond. And if God's doing a work in your life today, you can reach out right there and respond to us. If you need to prayer, you can reach out through fbcwithtaga.org prayer. And we'll pray for you faithfully. We'll pray for you in our staff meeting on Wednesdays. We'll pray for you throughout the week. So reach out. If God is moving in your life, let us know so we can pray for you. And it's certainly, if you, if, you need to, if you want to know how you can come into a relationship with Christ, that you might be saved, reach out through that respond link so that we'll know. Hey, folks, this is Pastor Dennis Hester, and I want to thank you for joining First Baptist Watauga through our podcast and hearing the message today. My prayer is that you are encouraged and uplifted by the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Our goal here is to equip you in your faith and to encourage you as you worship the Lord and seek to serve him. If you have a question or you have a decision that you'd like to make, I'd encourage you to reach out to us through our website at fbcwatauga.org or simply call the church office. You can find that number or our email addresses there on that website as well. And by doing that, uh, we'd be glad to hear from you and we'd be encouraged by hearing what God's doing in your life. So God bless you and have a great day.